minutes ago, but I'm... What time is it there? 11.43. Jesus Christ. I know. It's 2.43 here. That's weird. (laughs) Time zones, because you live in California. Yeah, I'm cool like that. I live in Florida. Florida's better, so. Okay, sure. You Florida basically has all the same things that California does, just in Florida with alligators and crocodiles, you know. So that's that's weird, though. I haven't done this in like two weeks, and so I'm like kind of nervous. Don't be nervous. But I, but I'm perfect, so I shouldn't have to worry. No, you're nervous. Don't be nervous. Just don't. Don't be nervous. I'm out of breath because I had to walk up and down the stairs. <laughs> and, <Okay>. you're out- <laughs> and I'm not athletic. So, yes, I'm out of breath from walking up and down the stairs. Okay. Anyways, so last, um, I can't say last week, but last episode, I don't think I didn't, I don't think I did the intro. Okay. So that's embarrassing. But I'm going to do it this week. Okay. And, I, and a little change, I guess, is that I won't say Emma. I'll say Bowie, which is going to be a little bit weird. Okay. Because I go by Bowie now. Um, and so, welcome everyone to Pizza Crime, a true crime podcast where I sit down with friends and discuss kidnappings, mur- murders, disappearances, and all that jazz over a nice warm plate of pizza, except we usually don't eat pizza. Um I'm Bowie, and I'm your host. Did I say, yeah. That was weird. I'm going to do that again. I'm sorry. I'm so awkward. No, you're fine. Welcome, everyone, to Pizza Crime, a true crime podcast where I sit down with friends and we discuss murders, kidnappings, disappearances, all that jazz over a nice warm plate of pizza, except most of the time. We don't really eat pizza. Um, I'm Bowie, your host, and today I'm joined with my good friend, Camille. Hi! So how are you today? I'm good, how are you? Um, I'm good, and so, yeah, so I kind of had a name change. I was like, I want to feel more gender neutral, so I'm going to go by Bowie now. Um, I still go by Emma, like quote-unquote in my professional life which basically means at school because I'm too socially awkward to be like hi mister can you please call me this now (laughs) um but today we will be doing our first ever ever serial killer on the podcast um so I thought who better to do it than with you you know does that mean like you want to kill me uh eh, no (laughs) It just means that I feel like you would be an interesting, like, person to do it with. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to fuck up his name, but I don't really care because he's a piece of shit anyway. Um, today, we'll be, we will be doing Gerald John Schaefer, who was an American murderer um, and suspected serial killer. So it's like he was... It's like... The number of victims for him is between two and nine. So, like, two, you're not a serial killer. You have to kill three people to be a serial killer. So it's like he's a suspected serial killer. Um, 
and he was actually a sheriff's deputy in Martin County, Florida. Oh. So home state. Um, he was born March 25th, 1946 in Wisconsin. And he didn't have, he had an interesting childhood. Um, he was a troubled, st- to say that he was a troubled soul is an understatement. He started to experiment with bondage and sadomasochism around age 12. Um, so yeah so he was derived by this that sexual urge um he told a psychiatrist um when he was like arrested that he would tie himself up to a tree and get sexually excited and then hurt himself um he would also masturbate and and fantasize about hurting hurting other people especially women um he also started wearing women's I don't like all the articles I read said woman's panties and I was like that's weird um woman's underwear (laughs) I don't like the word panties that's just makes me uncomfortable um and his earliest he has stated multiple times that his earliest childhood memories were that he wanted to be a girl because his sister um was favored by his alcoholic verbally abusive father so okay he had a nice childhood. Very nice. Um, nice. So nice. So at 14 years old, Schaefer had a girlfriend named Cindy. Um, and their relationship went on for three years, which is long for 14, you know. So they ended when he was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and was sordid and bizarre. Um, he would make her take part in role play fantasies in which he tore off her clothes and quote unquote raped her. Um, and in 1963, she broke up with him, which I mean, like, good, as she yeah. should. If your boyfriend makes you, if anyone, if your partner makes you do rape fantasies, like, they're not, they're not it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So after 1966, he tried to join the priesthood and was turned away by St. John's Seminary because they claimed he didn't have enough faith. (laughs) So he was enraged that he just quit the Catholic religion, just in general. He was just like, no, I quit. I quit this religion because you won't make me a priest. (laughs) That's so ironic. (laughs) I know. And he just drops it completely. Okay, continue. He's just like, they're like, you don't have enough faith. And instead of trying to prove them wrong, he's just like, yep, no, it's not for me. He's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're right. Um, he was dropped twice from student teaching programs because he was trying to impose his own moral and political values on his students. On his students. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on October 2nd, 1966, Nancy Leishner, age 20, and Pamela Nader, age 21, had joined their boyfriends at Alexander Springs Park and the Ocala National Forest. And while their boyfriends were diving, the girls decided to walk the park's nature trail. Later, a witness reported to have seen the two girls walking along the trail with an unidentified male following close behind them. No one has seen them since. Um, And investigators determined that the girls were most likely... Most likely, most likely taken from the park and killed. 
Um, their boyfriends were suspects in the beginning, but no evidence pointed to them being responsible for the disappearance of either girl. Um, so he he was he he killed them. Um, yeah. <laughs> on September eighth, nineteen sixty nine, Leah Hain Hainline Bonat Bonatis Schaefer's Schaffer's I don't care if I say his name wrong. Um, former neighbor had disappeared. She had married had married Charles Bonatis only a month before, and their relationship was oftentimes rocky. Um, and when Leah announced that her childhood neighbor and sometimes tennis partner had offered her a twenty thousand salary to join the CIA, Charles laughed and thought it was ridiculous. Then on September eighth, he came home to find a note from Leigh saying that she had gone to Miami to speak with Schaffer about the job. When Leah's brother called Schaffer to ask him if he had seen Leah, he was told a bizarre story. Schaffer described how Leah had called him and asked for a ride to the airport because she was flying from Cincinnati, Ohio. She wasn't sure of the departure time, so she would call him back with the info. He had never heard from her, and Leah's car was found parked in a Fort Lauderdale parking lot. Um... And while Schaffer was employed as an intern, um, I guess, slash student teacher at Platon Hills, at Pla- oh my God, at Plantation Hills, at Plantation High School, a beautiful 22-year-old cocktail waitress, Carmen Candy Hallock, called her sister-in-law on December 18th, 1969, just three months after Leah Bonatti's had disappeared to tell her that she had an an appointment with the male teacher from a local junior college that evening. The unidentified teacher claimed to have also done undercover work for the government and could possibly have an employment opportunity for Carmen, which would include international travel and a high salary. Carmen told her sister-in-law that she had purchased a pair of black leather high heel shoes and had planned to wear a black cocktail dress with those heels to the meeting. Not hearing from Carmen since their telephone conversation on the 18th, her sister-in-law went to check Carmen's apartment on Christmas Day. Carmen's car keys, driver's license, and vehicle registration were missing. Also absent were the black cocktail dress and new black high heel shoes. Her car was later found in a parking lot, but Carmen was nowhere to be found. Her skeletal remains were finally discovered almost 10 years later in January 1978 in, Bo- in Boca Raton, Florida in the subdivision of Boca del Mar, which was under construction at the time. As can be deducted, Schaefer's MO included promising um, the women to, promising the moon to vulnerable and gullible women, but only weeks from the disappearance of Carmen Hallock, the most innocent of victims were targeted. On December, um, oh, and I should put a trigger warning. If you don't like listening to what happens to um, children, I would say skip ahead a little bit because these next two victims are nine years old and eight years old. Um, so on December 29th, 1968, 1969, Peggy Ron, aged nine, and Wendy Stevenson, aged eight, vanished from Pomp- Pompano Beach, Florida. A family friend had decided to take Peggy to the beach that day while Wendy came with her uncle. The girls had attended Palm View Elementary School, but didn't know each other very well before that day. 
It was just a chance meeting at the beach by the little two girls. For the two little girls. Around 1 p.m., the girls decided to walk to the parking lot to buy an ice cream. The last person to see Peggy and Wendy was a, was a store clerk who identified the two girls from photographs, saying that he had seen a strange man buying ice cream cones for the girls. The stranger was described as being a white man, six feet tall, and weighing about 200 pounds, in his 20s, with sandy-colored hair, gray eye, eyes, and a humped nose. Although Wendy was known to be a good swimmer, Yes? <laughs> Are you going to work? I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm telling you to come open the door. Okay. Why I have to answer the question of doing the door at my own house. Yes. Please don't follow it. Okay. Okay. So when I knock, you just you open. Yes. Okay. Playing game of life. Did you want to play? Yeah. Okay. Love you. I despise my father. I despise my father. Yeah. He's not a nice person, but it's fine. I'm a nice person. That's all that matters. Um, anyways, um, although Wendy was known to be a good swimmer, authorities initially believed the girls had drowned. But nobody saw either of them in any distress in the water that day. Their bodies have never been found. Um, Peggy was last seen wearing a pink baby doll bikini. And Wendy had on a blue and white checkered bikini. Um, so that's the end of the child um, thing. So it's not really, it wasn't really gruesome, but people like hearing about ch- children, like, you know. Yeah. That yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, in 1968, Schaefer had married Martha Fogg, but it didn't work out. Um, Martha filed for divorce in May 1970. Um, claiming extreme cruelty, which is one of the claims that you can, like, circle or whatever you do when you mm-hmm. divorce someone. Um, and Schaffer had perfected his act of appearing and acting like a normal human being, while in truth he was torturing and killing women and children. After this, he decided that if he couldn't be a priest or a teacher, he would be a policeman. He was... Re- <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> This is all really ironic. Yeah, very so. <laughs> um, and so he was rejected by several departments, but um, he was finally accepted by the Wilton Manors Police Department. Um, on January 5th, 1979, Belinda Hutchins, a 22-year-old cocktail waitress who had a history of arrest for prostitution, got into a car with a stranger who... Um, so the, train, the stranger's car was a blue Datsun. Um mm-hmm. Her husband, who was a drug addict, later told police that Belinda had always flaunted her extramarital affairs and led her own lifestyle. Her husband and two-year-old daughter never saw her again. Belinda was known to have dated Schaffer while he was attending the police academy. Um, Oh, and here's some more children. So I I lied, but there's more children involved. Um... So I guess, again, just skip ahead if... But she is a little bit older. She's um, 13. So Deborah Sue Lowe, age 13, was last seen on the morning of February 29th, 1972, walking to Rickards Middle School in Pompano Beach, Florida, which is the same um, place that the other two children were disappeared from. Mm-hmm. Um, she never arrived to school and has not been seen or heard from since. 
and her school books were found in a trash can a block from her phone, from her home. Um, and at first, it was believed by authorities that De- um, Deborah had run away from home to return back to Pal- Palestine, West Virginia, from which her family had just moved. But her family refused to believe she had simply run away without any prior history of such behavior. Um, and Gerald, Gerald Schaffer worked with Deborah's family and had visited her family's home numerous times, as well as the family visiting Schaffer's home for cookouts on a few occasions. Um, Deborah's, Deborah or her remains have never been found, and she is still considered a missing person, but her family believes she is a victim of Schaffer's. Um, in April 1972, one month after receiving accommodation for drug books, Schaffer was fired. The, reason, um, the reasons given vary. According to the chief, it was because he didn't have an ounce of sense. Um, and according to an FBI source, it was due to him running female traffic violators through the department's computer in order to obtain their personal information and then calling them for dates. Um, so he would get these people from the system. He would basically just abuse his power. Um, he didn't stay unemployed for long, though. And in June of 1972, he was hired by Martin County Sheriff Department, and he moved to Stewart, Florida. This is when Schaffer's public life truly started to unravel. On July 21st, he picked up two hitchhikers, Pamela Wells, 17, and Nancy Trotter, 18, after taking them back to the highway house they were where they were living at after he had um, threatened to arrest them for hitchhiking, which is which in truth was not an offense. So he was like, he tricked these girls into thinking they were doing something illegal. Um, mm-hmm. And he met them the next day, offering to give them a ride to the beach. Um, but instead, he kidnapped them and took them to Hutchinson Island. He threatened them with a the gun and told them that he was going to sell them into prostitution as white slaves. He then bound both girls and left them balanced on tree roots with nooses around their necks, at risk of hanging if they slipped and fell. Schaffer left them to attend a police call, promising to return shortly, but the girls escaped in, their, in his absence and reached the highway, where they flagged down a passing car. They had no problem identifying their assailant since Schaffer had told them his real name. Which, if you're going to be a serial killer, maybe don't tell people your real name. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, because those were the only, like, two surviving people, like, of his victims, um, people believe that, like, what he did to them, like, hanging them, basically a little fucked up game, is what he did to all the other people who are, you know, potentially his victims mm-hmm. um so after his boss found out what he did he was fired on the shot cho- on the spot um charged with false imprisonment and two counts of aggravated assault Schaffer was released however on a fifteen thousand dollar bond neither law enforcement nor the courts had any idea of the monster they had on their hands and allowing tim to be free until he had to report to the jail to fulfill his sentence sealed the doom of several women in truth, long before he was ever working for any police departments and faced a court in a judge in court, Schaffer already had a body count mounting up, mounting up, um, and wearing a badge only p- provided more accessibility to potential victims. The most shocking revelations were yet to come. Two other girls went were went missing from the from the neighborhood, and they would not be as lucky as Trotter and Wells. 
Um, on September 27, 1972, while Schaffer was free on bond pending trial, 17-year-old Susan Place and 16-year-old Georgia Jessup had, man- had vanished from Fort Lauderdale. Schaffer abducted, tortured, and murdered, so- and murdered Susan in Georgia and buried them on Hutchinson Island, the same remote wooded area that he had taken Pamela Wells and Nancy Trotter just a year earlier. Susan's parents and the girls were last seen. Susan's parents said the girls were last seen at her house, leaving with an older man named Jerry Shepard on their way to play guitar at a nearby beach. They never came back, but Lucille Place had noted Schaffer's license number along with the description of his green, of his blue-green Dustin. Um, so before we were going, we went to potential victims, and now it's actual victims. Like, it's confirmed that these are his actual victims. Um, so these two girls are 14. Um, Elsie Lena Former um, and Mary Alice Briscalina were both 14 when they disappeared from Pampano Beach, which is the same beach that the other few victims or suspected victims disappeared from um, on October 23rd, 1972. Elsie was reported missing the next day while Mary's family waited another week, thinking she had just run away from home because she she had done that before. Um, Elsie's skeletal remains were found on January 17th, 1973 um, at a construction site near Plantation High School, which, if you recall, was the high school that the other one of the other victims worked at um, or that he worked or something. Um, on February 15th, about 200 yards away, Mary's remains were also found, and both girls were identified um, via dental records. In November 1972, Schaffer appeared in court for the charges of the abduction of Pamela Wells and Nancy Trotter on July 21st. He pled guilty to one assault charge, and the other counts were dropped. Judge D.C. Smith sentenced him to a year in county jail to be followed by three years probation, Although Schaffer was sentenced for the Schroeder Wells assault in December 1972, he did not actually enter jail until January 15, 1973. And on January 8, 1973, just seven days before Schaffer started serving his sentence, two unlucky hitchhikers from um, Iowa, Colette Goodenough and Barbara Ann Wilcox, both age eight, oh, both age 19, left Biloxi, Mississippi, thumbing their way to Florida, and no one saw or heard from them again. So this just proves how fucking stupid the American legal system is. Yeah. Like, this dude, one, I think he should have been charged with attempted murder. Two counts of attempted murder. I feel like Mm -hmm. even if he wasn't charged with that, he pled guilty. So maybe more than one year and maybe put him in jail at that and maybe make the bond a little bit more or maybe just don't have a bond in general because of they, oh my gosh, it's so just. Well, and he is like so just like dumb in everything that he's doing because like this is like, he's just like, I don't know, just everything like he was not thinking through like. I swear, like, like saying his actual name, but then like, why can't they just like charge him? You know, like there's so much evidence. Yeah. Like just charge him. Also the thing with like the ropes around their necks and like telling, he told those girls that he was going to kill them. Like that's attempted murder. Maybe charge him with two rounds of attempted murder or like have no bond or something. 
why would you have a bond? And who who the heck is paying that bond? Like, I know, like, it just annoys me. If my, it's just like I would blame if I, if my child was like one of the, his victims after the fact after being charged, I would blame both him and the legal system because, dude, if you did your job, this wouldn't have happened. Like, yeah, seriously. Um. So yeah, he was just really stupid. So. In March 1973, while Schaffer was serving his one-year sentence, um, investigators traced the plate number provided by Susan Place's mother back to him. Um, And Schaffer denied any contact with Place and Jessup, um, but the case began unraveling on April 1st, 1973, when skeletal remains were found near a shallow grave, were found in a shallow grave near Blind Creek Beach on Hutchinson Island by three men collecting aluminum cans. Four days later, the victims were identified from dental records. Um, Susan Place had been shot in the jaw, detectives remarking that evidence from the crime scene indicated that both girls were tied to a tree, decapitated, and butchered. Um, yeah. And so there's some pictures that I don't know if I will post them. Don't know if I will post them. But one of the pictures is the jawbone and teeth belonging to Susan Place. I may post them, but before that, put a trigger warning because it is very interesting. Um, and then there's like jewelry. Oh, um, he there was a bunch of jewelry, um, found in his trophy room. Um, which is a fucked up thing. Like fucked up thing that serial killers do is that they take trophies from their victim. So like yeah. underwear. Um. Jewelry, and then uh, that just licenses. like that more like obvious, like that's even more dumb. Yeah, yeah. Some people, some of them, even like one. Oh, I forget who it is. It might have been BTK. He like had the newspaper clippings. Yeah, with like, him everywhere he went of the people that he murdered, and that's just like, dude, don't be yeah. stupid. You're all pathetic. Let's not kill people, like. If you're, but like, if you're going to be a serial killer, like, don't be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just embarrassing at that point, you know. Like, yeah. um, so on April seventh, police searched the home of Schaffer's mother and his then wife Teresa Dean Schaffer, where Schaffer had personal items stored in a spare bedroom. Evidence recovered in the search included a stash of woman's jewelry, a hundred plus pages of writing and sketches depicting mutilation murders of young women, newspaper clippings, and other items. A driver's license, passport, diary, and book of poetry belonging to vanished hist hikers Colette Goodenough and Barbara Wilcox were found in the steam trunk where Schaffer kept his trophies. And, like, I know this might not be the time, but can I just say, I I really want my last name to be Goodenough. I, like, that's just, an, I don't know. That was just a side comment. That last name is amazing. Um, and then in January 1977, the skeletal remains of both girls were found in a wooden area at Oak Hammock Park, Park in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Um, at the time, no cause of death could be determined. Thus, no charges were followed, which is stupid. But I guess, you know, they need the cause of death or whatever. Um... Other items found was an address book belonging to Belinda Hutchins and a purse purse belonging to Susan Place. 
With the amounts of items found in the search of Shaffer's spare bedroom, the list of suspected victims had grown, um, but, char- but Shaffer faced charges in only two murders. Um, he was indicted on May 18, 1973, for the slangs of Susan Place and Georgia Jessup, and held without bond pending trial. He was convicted on two counts of first-degree murder in October 1973, drawing concurrent terms of life imprisonment. So he was... So life sentences are usually, like, until you die, you know? Yeah. But sometimes it's, like, 80 years, because the average life expense... So, like, how long would would those girls have lived? That's how long you'll be in prison for, you know? So sometimes it's 80 years... So if if it was like that thing where the judge was like life, but this number. So let's say the judge was like eighty years. He would have had a hundred and a hundred and sixty four years, because that's eighty plus eighty. I think. No, wait. Yeah, sixty yeah. four. Is that what? What's eighty plus eighty? Give plus me. That's one hundred sixty. Oh, okay. Well, that's. <laughs> And he would have gotten 160 years. Uh, that's just an example. But he was like, so two life life things are different depending on the judge. But um, yeah, so he had two terms of life imprisonment. Um, his wife, Teresa Schaffer, made her one and only visit um, to him. So prison visit on November 17th, 1973. To serve Gerald with divorce papers. Um, and she later married Elton Swartz, the public defender who represented Schaefer. Um, so that she's a badass bitch. Among the news clips found in the trunk um, was one which referred to Feb- the February 1969 disappearance of waitress Carmen Hollock. A shamrock pin which belonged to her was found in Schaefer's hoard along with a gold-filled tooth identified by Halleck's dentist. But once again, no charges were faced, which I mean, like, he has her teeth. Charge him with her murder. Like, um, the second... If you have teeth of someone who's, like, dead or, like, missing, and they don't charge you yeah, with, the, with their murder or, like, disappearance, you have their teeth. Like, I understand all the other stuff, like, the shamrock thing, he could have got it from somewhere else, you know, there's, there's, like, multiple types of, you know, like, he could have gotten that shamrock pin, like, the same store, you know, they were in the same area, but a tooth, like, charge the man with fucking murder, it's not that hard, I mean, it is hard, but, like, tooth, like, come on, um, so the second missing woman, Leah Bonatti's, um, who had been a neighbor of Schaffer's when she disappeared in September 1969. Um, he had complained of her taunting him by undressing with her curtains open. Um, and three pieces of ju- jewelry were, um, were found among his belongings, as well as new paper clippings about her disappearance. But yet again, no charges were filed when her skeletal remains um, were finally recovered in 1978. And, like, the taunting thing, like, just let her live her life. Jesus Christ. Like, maybe she just wants to show off. Like, dude. Um, More jewelry linked Shaffer to the disappearance of 14-year-old 
Mary Briscoloni, who vanished from Burwood County with 13-year-old Elsie Farmer on October 1972. Their skeletons were found in early 1973, but once again, no cause of death could be determined, um, so no charges were filed. The girls' teeth had been pulled and scattered around their grave sites as precaution. Um, to as a precaution to investigators, wait, around their grave sites, a, a precaution investigators said Schaffer took because he knew it would make identifying the bodies more difficult. A former investigator with the Martin County State Attorney's Office, who worked on the Oakland case, Park case, said Schaffer said um, Schaffer never never admitted to killing anyone to me. But the stuff he put in his writings, the detail of what he found at the crime scene, were his stories. Schaffer's writings talked about finding a spot to bury the woman and having them stand on an orange crate while he bound them. He'd strangle them, rape them, bury them, and then dig them up again to rape them again. Schaffer maintained the writings were fiction. And a little smart, you know, a little tip. If you are in jail for murder... Don't write quote unquote fiction about fucking raping women's dead bodies. Just like a little tip from yours truly. Don't do that. You know? Don't do that. Because that's incriminating, you know? That's weird. Um, so Schaffer found other ways to amuse himself. God, I hate saying that. While he was serving his life sentences. And in 1979, he declared himself married to a, fem- a Filipina picture bride named Ellen or oh I don't know how to say that it's E-L-E-N and I say Ellen but it's probably something else yeah um the young woman appeared in July 1980 and moved in with Schaffer's father and a marriage license materialized sans ceremony and was accepted by authorities at Avon Park's minimum security prison why was he in a he was in a minimum security prison he, oh my god. Why Why is the American legal system so fucked up? Okay, well, it just... Well, okay. Several contact visits were permitted before Schaffer's wife got her green card. <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Um, before Schaffer's wife got her green card in 1989 and dropped him like the, like the pro- proverbial hot potato. So she was only using him for a green card. And I'm like, oh, bitch, you're a badass bitch. A few weeks later, in September 1985, Schaffer was accused of plotting to escape from Avon Park um, and murder a hit list of victims, including his ex-wife, Elton Swords, Robert Stone, and Judge Trowbridge. State police confirmed the plot, and Schaffer was packed off to a maximum security at Stark, home of Florida's death row. Which, I mean, like, he should have been there in the first place. But whatever. Despite being closely watched, Schaffer still managed to run a mail fraud operation from his cell, um, collaborating with cohorts outside to post ads in sex magazines, soliciting money from various kinky tricks. So he was camming people in, while in prison for murder. To that mm-hmm. end, Schaffer adopted various... Pseudonyms, always female. He became Mitris Felice, a dominatrix, prostitute Jessica Zuraga, Stern Matron Miller, 
a husband killer on death row, and so on, and so on. Some of his slaves paid cash, paid cash for the privilege of washing Mistress Felice's soiled panties, delivered by mail for a price, of course. Um, Schaffer also enjoyed writing to inmates of other prisons, posing as the great love of their lives, laughing behind their backs. <laughs> if I was a, okay, with the whole other prison thing, it depends on what prison. If it was like another high maximum security prison, and this band was sending other murderers, like, sexting them, but like, over letter, I would let it slide, honestly. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, I hate you, like, you're, like, a fucked up person, but like, that's funny. And like, I'm not gonna like, applaud you, but like, it's fucking funny. Yeah. Um, when not scamming freaks, um, I hate how I wrote freaks. People have different kinks. But I wrote freaks and I apologize. <laughs> Schaffer worked as a jailhouse lawyer with a twist. So he was a jailhouse lawyer. While writing briefs for fellow cons, he milked his clients for information on their cases, then sold them out to the authorities. One such inmate awaiting trial for murder told Schaffer where his victim's body could be found, and Schaffer relayed the directions to police landing his client on death row. It was a deadly game, perhaps an extension of his childhood death death wish, and he played it recklessly as if he were invulnerable. So I guess he was like, no. I was going to say, I guess he was like a good guy, but then I was like, no. No, he's a fucko. He's a sicko. Yeah. In 19... 86, collaborating with police from North Miami, Schaffer adopted the geese the, of Dee Dee Kelly, a 14-year-old prostitute who offered nude photos to pedophiles. Responses to his ads were collected by U.S. postal inspectors, but none of Schaffer's correspondence were prosecuted. Instead, authorities discovered he was working with another inmate, Mervyn Cross, to run a child pornography network from prison. Cross paid Schaffer's father a monthly stipend for use of his telephone line to communicate with Filipino colleagues. Prosecutors convicted Cross, adding time to his sentence at Stark, but no charges were filed against the Schaffers, which apparently they're really good at not getting charges filed against them. Even as the DD sting collapsed, Schaffer had his first encounter with condemned killer Ted Bundy. According to Schaffer, Bundy was always 100% respectful of me. I treated him as a supplicant, while others were hanging on his every word. Bundy allegedly confessed that he had been inspired by Schaffer's case to kill two victims in a single day in 1974. With Bundy, Schaffer debated such fine points of murder as the maggot problem and techniques of cleaning upholstery after dying victims urinated in their cars. Their little friendship ended on January 24th, 1989, when Bundy was executed at Florida's electric chair, and I'm glad that fucking friendship ended, because the fact yeah. that they would talk about how to clean up, mm, how to clean up their car after their dying victims urinated is so, makes me so mad. Like, oh my god. So another sometime confidant of Schaefer was self-described cannibal Otis Toole. Um, sentenced to life for six murders, Toole was suspected of many more, 
Most notably, the 1981 kidnap slang of young Adam Walsh. And by ni- 1988, when he met Schaffer, Toole had several times confessed to Walsh's murder, always recanting his statement when detectives asked for proof. Schaffer wrote to Adam's father, John Walsh, host of America's Most Wanted, posing as Toole and demanding $50,000 for Adam's remains. So you can get them to quote-unquote, you can get them buried, all decent, and Christian. Walsh ignored the offer, and Toon soon soured on Schaffer's mercenary attentions. A sid from the sadistic pleasure of tormenting Adam's parents, Schaffer gained nothing from the episode except a new andalum to his reputation as a snitch. Around the same time of Bundy's execution, which must have been so heart-wrenching for Schaffer, and oh, so heart-wrenching. Oh my gosh, imagine. Oh my gosh. Just imagine, like, go, put yourself in your shoes, your best friend, who you used to talk about cleaning up dead people's urine with, is dead. Oh, the pain, the agony. Oh, that's awful. I know, I feel so bad. Um, so during the time of, at the same time of his execution, Schaffer, whose notoriety was nearly forgotten, saw a chance to bring attention to himself again. When ex-girlfriend Sandy Stewart, now divorced mother Sandra London, picked up a copy of Anne Rule's The Stranger Beside Me, detailing Rule's friendship with Bundy, and decided to write a book on her relationship with Schaffer. London wrote to Schaffer on February 8, 1989, asking, Remember me? She pitched the notion of a book about, quote-unquote, your experiences and requested samples of his writings. One of Schaffer's biggest hobbies behind bars was writing Macrobie stories. You can tell how tired I am of this man. Yeah. Some of which were suspected of being real accounts of murders he had committed, and others were grisly fantasies. In one story, simply titled Whores, he recounts hanging a prostitute and having sex with her corpse. He writes about ha- quote-unquote doing doubles, in which he states, it's far more difficult than doing singles but it puts me in a position to have twice as much fun. There can be some lively discussions about which of the victims will be killed first. A series of stories was about a rogue cop who moonlights as a serial killer targeting prosecutes, so basically what he did. In his writings, Schaeffer claimed to have started murdering women as early as 1965, when he was only 19. A collection of his stories was published under the the title Killer Fiction, more volumes followed, Schaffer insisting that his stories were art, police and prosecutors described them as thinly veiled descriptions of actual crime. Um, and even though, don't buy these books. I don't even know how to be like, and even though this and that, just don't buy these fucking books. No. Buy some like biographies or like documentaries written and made by someone who didn't do the crime. Please do not buy those books. Yeah, like, don't buy, like, if you want to buy a book about him, buy one that's not by him, you know? Like, yeah. you know, a passage from the book reads, <laughs> In 1973, I sat down and drew up a list of my own. As I recall, my list was just over 30. Um, And the next day, given more time to reflect, Schaffer went on, I'm not claiming a huge number, I... Would say it runs between 80 and 110, but over eight years and three continents, one whore drowned in her own vomit while watching me disembowel her girlfriend. I'm not sure that counts as a valid kill, 
Um, did the pregnant one count as two kills? It, it can get confusing. He wrote that in his fucking book. He said, One whore drowned in her own vomit while watching me disembowel her girlfriend. Her girlfriend. I tried to do his voice. If it annoyed you, it's because his voice is annoying. Um, he said, I'm not claiming a huge number. I would say between 80 and 110. That's how much, how, that's how it, sh- it shows how much he just does not care about the women. He's like, oh yeah, 110 <laughs> girls dead. 110 girls dead. That's not a lot. They're whores anyway. You know, like, Jesus Christ. Schaffer's luck, however, ran out on December 3rd, 1995. And I'm smiling right now. When another inmate barged into his cell and slashed Schaffer's throat and stabbed him in both eyes. Prison officials named the killer as inmate Vincent Revere, serving life plus 20 years for two murders in Tampa, but no specific motive has been offered. And I'm not going to say Vincent Rivera, thank you, because you are also a piece of shit. But Vincent Rivera, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Because now I have a picture of his corpse on my computer. Um, He stabbed Schaffer over 40 times in the head and neck area. Like, oh my gosh, yay! It appears that Schaffer's reputation as a rat and troublemaker in the joint caught up with him at last. That's why, if you're in maximum security prison with other fucking serial killers, maybe we don't snitch on them. This man is stupid. One of the various reasons given for the stabbing was that Schaffer had taken an extra cup of hot water, leaving Revere without any water. And Revere, however, denied that being the reason... Um, and he even denied actually killing Schaffer, but, like, he did kill him. Um, it is equally likely that Schaffer was killed as a result of him simply not being very popular in prison. He had been attacked on at least one um, other occasion, and his cell set on fire twice. Schaffer was not only a sex offender and ex-police officer, but was rumored to have been an informant as well. And at the time of Schaffer's death, a Fort Lauderdale homicide detective had been proposing to file charges against Schaffer for three unsolved murders, murders to ensure he never got out of prison. So what I've learned, what I learned really early in this whole thing, mm-hmm. is that don't, don't kill, don't kill or rape women. Um, but that's a little like that, they let that slide, you know? Do not molest, kill, or hurt any children. Because most of the people in jail they have girlfriends and children of them, their own, and they will fucking tear you to goddamn pieces if they find out that you're in there for doing something to a child. And so thank like, just, God for that. Yeah, and like, just so, like, I guess another tip to anyone out there, don't do anything yeah. to children because you will be hurt when you're caught and you will be caught. Um, so, remember the disappearances of Peggy Ron who was nine, and Winnie Stevenson, who was eight, when they vanished from Papano Beach, Florida, on December 29th, 1969. You remember them? Yes. Okay, well, it's good that you remember them. Um, Schaffer um, denied being involved when he was publicly accused of the crime, but in a 1989 letter to Sandra London, he boasted of killing and cannibalizing the two children. So he's stupid. Another tip for anyone in jail. Don't... The people in prison read your letters before you send them 
And when you get a letter, they read them as well. So don't incriminate yourself. You know? Like, don't do that. That's stupid. This man is stupid. Um, so London and Schaffer had briefly been engaged in 1991, but London broke it off and got engaged to another serial killer from Florida, Danny Rowling, a.k.a. the Gainesville Ripper. Oh my god, I forgot about this. She fucking... Oh my god. This woman... I understand. I am attracted to Lyle Menendez. But this is different. This is different. She went from being engaged to one fucko to being engaged to another motherfucker who killed so many people. And the person that she got engaged to was executed in 2006 by lethal injection. So don't marry someone on death row if you don't want that cut heart-wrenching heartbreak when they're fucking executed. I hate her. Just don't. She's like uh, someone like what? Like, like I hate her so much. She's like, oh, I realize you're a serial killer. I'm going to break up with you. But that other guy, the Gainesville Ripper over there, he's kind of attractive. So I'm going to go like... Um, and Schaffer being heartbroken that his fiance broke up with him didn't take the rejection well. And he began sending her death threats. Um, and he tried, this motherfucker, he tried unsuc- unsuccessfully to sue her three times for stealing his work, even though they were working together to print his books. I, in his death threats to London, Schaffer also claimed to have links to the Dixie Mafia and the KKK, who would do his bidding on the outside. So if you don't want to be murdered in prison, maybe don't say that you're a part of the KKK. Like, just don't, maybe don't say that because that's going to be public knowledge because the fucking officers read your... I don't know. This man makes me really mad. And I didn't think I would get this mad at him, but he just makes me really mad. No, this is all infuriating. Like... But fortunately, nothing was farther from the truth and Schaffer was despised by many if not all, fellow inmates, and had been attacked several times before he was murdered. Um, and Schaffer, with the amount of balls he has on he, him, appealed his conviction 19 times, claimed by drug-dealing lawmen and Martin County prosecutors. And all appeals, this is shocking, all appeals were denied. Oh my god. Um, Schaffer later began filing frivolous lawsuits, trying to sue one true crime rock writer for daring to describe him as being overweight. This person described him as overweight, and he was like, I'm going to sue you. And while separately trying to sue authors Colin Wilson and Michael Newton and former FBI agent Robert Wesley for, again, daring, they had the audacity to describe him as a serial killer. Oh, the audacity. The audacity. The audacity. Um, but all of Schaffer's lawsuits were thrown out of court because they probably read those and they were like, bitch, excuse me? Yeah. You murdered like 20 women? You are, you are overweight. You are ugly. You are a serial killer. I see no false claims. Like, I see no falsehood. 
Um, and in 2007, based on sworn testimony from Sandra London, the one and only, two cold, cold case murders tied to Ocala National Forest were closed and attributed to Schaffer. The victims were Nancy Leishner and Pamela Nader, Pamela Nader, who had disappeared 40 years earlier in October 1966 after taking a walk through the National Forest, for the na- through the na- nature trails. Um, their bodies have still never been found. And after collaborating with Schaffer on his book, Killer Fiction, oh my God, Sandra London then went on to work with serial killer Danny Rowling in writing The Making of a Serial Killer, The Real Story of the Gainesville Murders, and it was only after this that she left Schaffer to get engaged to him. She just finds love selling people's stories. Like, yeah. Um, and this book was a psychological memoir, which included Rowling's confessions to five murders, along with other capital crimes for which she had not been charged. Again, if you have not been charged with something, do not write that you did them. Oh, and the book was also illustrated by 50 hand-drawn pictures by Rowling in prison. Um, and in 2004, Sandra, oh my gosh, she's back. Sandra London, she's like, she's the main character. Sure, this is Gerald's episode, but Sandra London is the main character of this whole thing. Because she published a study of vampires. She studied vampires and published True Vampires, a study of vampires. The book was illustrated by another killer, <laughs> but this time it was a French killer, Nicolas Clocks, who was a necrophilic cannibal, a practicing, a practicing sat- sat- Satanist who worked as a mortuary assistant when he was arrested for murder in Paris. Um, and th- one of the articles that I read, I highlight, I had to copy and paste this into my into my work into my notes. Said it appears that London was attracted to the baddest of the bad boys. Oh, <laughs> which I mean, like, I don't see any lie. Um, and Schaffer has also been looked at in connection with the number of unsolved murders outside of Florida, including West Virginia, Michi- Michigan, um, and Pennsylvania. And I have a bunch of pictures that someone drew. Were these drawn by Dan? Oh, no, it was his. Okay, well, I'm... Oh, my God. So he drew... So I'm pretty sure I say this. He drew a load of pictures of women being tortured and he was he was a horrible person but he was a good artist like he like honey clear jesus christ (laughs) nude women okay one of this one of his quote-unquote grotesque arts which they are grotesque but that's just how the article said it a woman is being decapitated i don't want to send you this but i kind of do um i won't I'll post it on the Instagram with a trigger warning. The woman is being decapitated and her bosoms are humongous. Like, he was a good drawler, but he was also a murderer. So, um, but that was the case of, I guess, not really case, cases, but that was, 
what the what the fuck was his name again? Gerald. Gerald. No, it was Gerald. It was no, it was Gerald. Gerard. His name is Gerard. No wonder he's a fucking serial killer. If you name your son Gerard, I thought it was Gerald. She just set him up for failure. How to pronounce Gerard? What the fuck? Gerard? (laughs) This is an ad. Jesus Christ. This video is seven seconds long. Just kidding. Just say how to say it. Don't do that. Gerard. Oh, that's a stupid name. Uh, <laughs> it's oh Gerard. <laughs> Gerard. 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 <laughs> this, this episode is a mess, Emma. It is. Because I... <laughs> His name's Gerard. His name is Gerard. Literally. It's like- what? It's like they were going to spell Gerald, but they fucking spelt it, like, wrong, and they were just like, yeah, let's just leave it like that. <laughs> I want to send oh. you a photo of what he looks like. Give me a second. <laughs> he looks like a Gerard. <laughs> Let me get a photo. Um, Gerard? Um, Sheffer. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's so terrifying. Oh, let's get a better, let's get a high-res photo from the Criminal Minds Network. My voice hurts so much. <laughs> but that's Gerard. He's terrifying. Did you get the photo? What'd you send it on? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. He's he terrifying. built like a Teletubby. His smile. His smile. Oh, He's terrifying. What is this? Oh no, he's <laughs> terrifying. He scares me. He scares me. Yeah. I'm gonna have nightmares. I never. I usually never get like freaked out about people like him, but just his face, you know. Because some of them are like decent. He's just not, you know. Yeah, okay, that's coming from the girl that's in love with Lyle Menendez. Okay, so. okay, okay. I've talked about this so many times. They were being raped by their father. I think it was justified. I don't think they should be in jail for life. I, we know, Emma. We know. A little bit, little bit of a controversial opinion. Time. I know, it's so controversial. But that's what I believe. And I'm correct in that. <laughs> because everyone else is like... That was embarrassing. But everyone else was... Everything everyone you, else... Right. You're right. Every, everyone else is like, but they murdered them! <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to wrap my head around. Most people who say that they deserve to be in jail do not know the full story. And unfortunately, that was me. That was me. I did not know the full story. And I was like, I've made a song. Remember the song? But he... Is a murderer, yeah. Um, but now that I know the full story, I'm like, you're kind of cute, and I kind of love you. Okay, but why would you choose Lyle? Like, <laughs> Lyle's the better brother, and I will. I cannot stress this enough. Lyle is the better brother. Okay, Bowie. Okay, Lyle is like, Lyle. Eric is like, 
the person that you want to like fuck you know but lyle is like the person that you want to like get married to and spend the rest of your life with because he's just adorable he has a wife and he's bald now he's still i would okay don't make fun of his condition it's actually a condition where he went bald that's why the whole thing about the toupee oh my gosh he has a toupee well he did when they were doing the whole thing that's part of the whole murdering thing was that someone took off someone's toupee and they got mad and then the dad said like you know and then they like (laughs) what wait wait, off track yeah well okay well that's the end of of this week's episode and hopefully i'll get a more consistent uploading you know like yeah thing um but last week i couldn't possibly do it because i was at cabana bay with my friend and my mom um and we had the time of our lives and i think my mom is very i think my mom knows i know what now my mom knows that i have a passion about lyle menendez quackity carl jacobs eric um wilbur suit you know she thinks she knows now about my passion and i feel like <laughs> that's just not wilbur suit yes wilbur suit wilbur suit shut up have i wilbur, <laughs> wilbur <I'm> saying... <laughs> i i know how to say his name i've been talking for an hour okay give me a break um oh shit it has been an hour yeah oh and she also knows about my obsession with schlatt and she looked him up and i was like don't she said oh my gosh i've heard of him before i'm gonna look him up and i'm like don't no she's like why and i'm like just don't please just don't i was looking at quackity's instagram earlier and i wanted to send you like pictures of it but like i i was like no she's like already seen all of them i've already seen all of them What's the point? <laughs> I have stickers of all of his Instagram posts, so like, you know. You have a problem. It's a passion. There's like a very fine line. So you're like in love with a murderer and then justify. Quackity. Quackity. Quackity's perfect. He's perfect. Okay. He's he's perfect. Okay. Did I tell you about the time that I shifted? What? <laughs> And I, is this is this all going on the podcast? Oh, all of it, one hundred percent. Okay, uh, no, Bowie, tell me about the time that you shift. I I was going to like, uh, post this on my Snapchat story when it's like, you know, like posted, and and now I'm like, do I want people from? No, yeah, you will. You are going <laughs> this... to post it. We're going I to am. post it. I am because I know that you have more. I know that you are well. No one's more popular than me. I'm literally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I know that you have people from Canada, right? <laughs> well, like two people, and that's like my boyfriend. I have two. I've Snapchat accounts. No, that, yeah, you're right. Um, no. Well, let me see. I do have people from Canada. I have one, two. Do you have Lottie on? I don't think you do. But Lottie, she said that when Tommy in it pees, she tingles. So she can sense when he's... She said it's a British thing. You wouldn't understand. No, that's... mm, mm, I... mm, 
And I said, no, yeah, I wouldn't understand. Why would you understand that? Because I'm not British. If I was British, I would understand. Who wants to be British? A lot of people want to be British. I want to be Canadian. Oh, so you can meet with your boyfriend. No. <laughs> so you can have free healthcare. Yeah, free healthcare. So yeah. Um, not be hate crimes. Um, no hate crimes. Oh yeah, that's a nice one too. Yeah. I had to tell. I wanted the answers to this thing, and I had to add this guy from my um class on Snapchat, and I had to tell him I go by Bowie outside of school, mm-hmm. but in school, like I I go by Emma. And he's like the most homophobic person in the world. And I had to tell him that. And he said, oh, I can't, I, I, I shouldn't give you the answers. And I said, why? And he said, because your name's Emma. And I was like, yeah, you can call me Emma. I'm fine with either. And he's like, then why is your name on Snap Bowie? And I'm like, because I just prefer being called Bowie. Please stop attacking me. Is- but he gave me the answers. Because I-, I called him homophobic. And he was like, well. I don't like men. You're dating a man. That's different. <laughs> that one time I talked to um to him. I don't want to say his like name. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the in, in is, is Spotify the internet? No. Yeah. It is. Oh well, <laughs> I talked to him one night because he was on like your snap. Yeah. And um. He like he has this cat. He has a cat, right? Yeah, Gary. Gary! And he showed me his cat and I showed him my dog and he said, Why does it look like that? And I said, What do you mean? And he said, Your dog, why does it look like that? And I said, You know what? I liked you. That is a you That is a said, you know what? statement. Snowy is weird. Snowy is beautiful. And I told him, I said, I didn't want to tell you this. I didn't want it to have to come to this, but I fucking hate cats. And he said, how dare you? And I said, exactly. No, only- I said, this is what betrayal feels like. I feel like I should, like, give everyone, like, a, like, uh, like a little announcement. Emma and I are, or Emma, Bowie, you know, establish that. Yeah. We are not serial killers. We are not serial killers. Speak for yourself. Uh, I'm joking. I feel like that was a joke. We are not serial killers makes us sound like serial killers. But we are not serial killers just because we are, um... Well, you know that thing that people say, like, if you say, oh, like, I didn't... Let's say, let's have an example, like, oh, I didn't spill paint all over the carpet. And someone else says, well, that's exactly what someone who did spill paint all over the carpet would say. Does that mean that someone who didn't spill paint all over the carpet would say, oh, yeah, I did spill paint? So it's like, oh, I'm not a serial killer. That's exactly what a serial killer would say. Then what the fuck is someone who's not a serial killer supposed to say? We're not making a case for us. Because what if one day you do want to kill someone and then they're like, oh, well, years ago on their podcast, they said blah 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 so (laughs) they gave tips to serial killers anyway just because we are criticizing the way they are doing the killing does not mean that we that mean that we do it which just means that we would have done it better but we but but we we won't won't. but we haven't (laughs) but we won't we haven't 
<laughs> Look, it's the funny number, 69. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> it's the funny number, 69. Please stop. Please stop. I'm... I'm... <laughs> we should probably wrap this up soon. Yeah, probably. Um. So, bye. Hope you enjoy this week's episode and the little 10-minute talk session after it. And um, like Bella always says, don't murder innocent souls. Um, see you next week. Bye. Um, shouldn't you tell them to like follow your Instagram? <laughs> oh, and I'll also link my in- the Instagram for Pizza Crime in the description if you guys want to go and follow it. And you can see... Um, Gerald, Gerard, Gerard, and you know the pictures that he drew. I'll have a trig warning. The victims. I may have to make two posts for this episode, but yes, go follow that. Yeah. Um, and I have a great week. And Biden is president now. Yeah. yeah. I just had to slip that in. Just slip that in. We're gonna be okay. Yeah. Okay. And goodbye. Have. A nice day, week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.